0: Thank King's family again. We are so glad that you're with us tonight. Uh, wherever you're joining from, if you're here in Jerusalem and Israel, we're glad to have you. And tonight we, we get uh, the news from our team that we have 30 countries joining us online tonight. Uh, let me just read some of them. Argentina, Austria, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Czech Republic, Swami, Finland, France, Germany, Guatemala, India, Indonesia, Ireland, Japan, Lithuania, Mexico, Netherlands, Norway, Philippines, Poland, Singapore, Slovakia, South Africa, South Korea, Spain, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, and the United States. To all of you, we welcome you tonight. We're so glad that you can join us. We're so glad that we have the technology and the ability to share with you what's happening, what the Lord is doing here with our community here in Jerusalem. So welcome tonight. Uh, send greetings from Pastor Chad, uh, who is traveling in the United States at the moment. He sends his greetings he 's representing our ministry meeting with partners and meeting with uh, connected ministries of our family of ministries in the United States so Pastor Chad, we love you and we 're grateful for you and He sends his greetings to all of you tonight. Um, I want to just give you a quick update on What's happening for those of you that don't live in Israel, Uh, this past week we we got some great rains here in Israel and Jerusalem specifically, and uh, after a long dry summer, rain is a beautiful thing. Um, I didn't quite understand that. I grew up in Florida, and it rained all the time. Um, So I didn't quite understand the blessing of rain, really, until I moved to Israel. And you go through the entire summer, and it's dry, and it's dusty, and then all of a sudden the first rains come, and it cleans the air, and it cleans the dust out of the city, and it's a beautiful thing. So we thank God for His blessing in that regard, and we expect more rain in the coming days. But we do thank God for pouring out His blessing On the land, in regards to what's happening in restrictions, nothing really has changed at this point. The restrictions are still in place on meetings, so we're limited on our numbers still, but we hope that the trend of reduced cases will continue to stay low here in Israel, and that we'll see things open up again in the near future. So, tonight we're going to continue on in a series that we began a few weeks ago actually the pastor Chad began for us we're talking about magnetism so we're going to get right into it tonight Um, and we're using this idea of magnetism to help illustrate how God is actively working to draw us to himself and you may remember we talked a little bit about this idea uh, a few weeks ago um in fact, one of the basic laws of magnets is or magnetism is when you have uh, magnets that are opposite poles they're attracted to one another, and so God is shaping us and drawing us to himself and we said actually um, if if the poles are the same that they'll actually repel one another when you try to push two magnets and we talked about how when we allow pride to step in, when we want to step into God's role in our life, and we want to be that, that we try to be Him, that it actually is like a force that repels us from the Spirit of God, from God. And so uh, we're going to continue on. Now, last week, Pastor Mike brought a wonderful message about relationships. And he talked about relationships, in, and he gave us two, uh, two key components of relationships. He first said the first component was proximity or closeness, or being close to someone, or being close to God. And the second one was communication. And he showed us how prayer actually combines both of these two key elements of relationship in in bringing us close to God and also drawing us in communication with God. And he explained why prayer is so critical to be active in the life of every believer. In fact, he said it's not an option. Prayer is not an option for us as followers of Yeshua. Tonight, we're going to pick up off that idea. You know, as preparing sermons, I'm I'm looking at where we're coming from and and where we're going into our topic. And as I was kind of looking at what Pastor Mike presented last week, I was looking at a few resources and I found a book that's titled, What If I Don't Desire to Pray? And it's by John. And John, if you're watching this at any time in history, I'm apologizing now for mispronouncing your name. John Amwuchekwa. Um, I believe that's correct. John Amwuchekwa. And he says this in the foreword of the book, actually. He says, Our prayerlessness isn't rooted in a lack of ability, but in a lack of desire. Our prayerlessness isn't rooted in a lack of ability. In other words, we do not lack the ability to pray, but it's in our lack of desire, and that lack of desire gives us a glimpse into something that's taking place within each one of us, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. It's what's happening within us is that the nature of our flesh would desire that a relationship with God would be at our convenience, Let me say that again. That the nature of our flesh would desire that a relationship with God would be at our convenience. In fact, our flesh would desire that all relationships would be at our convenience. When I want to be close, when I want to receive attention or affection, when I want to communicate with you, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of uh, something a good friend of mine from Finland, Hanualla, Hanu. If you're watching tonight, God bless you there in Finland. And for those of you that are joining us from Finland, this, Finland tonight, this joke will make sense. But he told me a story one time. Now let me set this up: that uh, f- at least generally, and I'm going to use general terms, Finnish people are not necessarily known as uh, being people of many words. They don't use a lot of words, especially Finnish men. They don't. Uh, speak. I think actually they would look at someone like me who comes from America and say, Man, that guy talks a lot. Um, but uh, so he told me this story once. He said, There was a, a Finnish couple that got married. And after they'd been married a few years, uh, the wife looks at the husband. She says, Sweetheart, how come you don't tell me that you love me anymore? And the Finnish man looked at his wife and said, Dear, I told you I loved you on our wedding day. If anything changes, I'll let you know. And (laughs) this is the shortness of words. Now, again, our flesh would desire that our relationship with God, our relationship with other people would be at our convenience, on our terms. And in fact, that is why I believe that the greatest of the commandments, and we're going to look at this in a second, that the, great of the com- greatest commandments deal actually with this issue. And in Matthew chapter 22, this is going to be our verse passage tonight. It's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, and beginning in verse 37. And in this passage, uh, Yeshua is being questioned by the leaders of the Pharisees and the scribes. And one of them stands up and says, Master, you know what is the greatest commandment? And Here in Matthew chapter 22, and verse 37, Yeshua replies. He says, He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So, if we really look at what this is getting at, that these two commands are asking us to put priority and to put effort into our relationships, first with God and then with those around us. Not to be at our convenience. But to be proactive. To be there is there is no clause in this that says, Love the Lord your God uh, when you feel like it. It's it's asking us to be proactive. It's asking us to put priority. It's asking us to put effort. And that brings us for to our first key point for this evening. And our first key point this evening is this. The Spirit of God that dwells within us desires to draw us closer to God. The Spirit, His mission is to help us reform our desires so that they mirror the desires of God and to empower us to serve God effectively. And so tonight we're going to be looking at this mission of the Spirit of God in us and what His mission is in us and let me read that again it's to draw us closer to god we're again we're dealing with magnetism how god is drawing us to himself so the spirit of god in us is is drawing us closer and his mission is to reform our desires so that they begin to mirror the desires of god and to empower us to serve god effectively to align our thoughts with God's plans and purposes, to align our actions at, to be at his service. Now, part of this alignment process for us is to learn to view relationships not merely for our own benefit. Or to view them as something that should just be at our own convenience. This past week in our discipleship class, uh, I was teaching in one of the tracks with Pastor on uh, Hearing from God, and this, the text we were looking at was from a book by Dr. Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And our topic uh, this past week was God's purpose, not our plans, and In this section, and I want to just share with you a a portion of it, Dr. Blackaby said this. He said, when God starts to do something in the world, he takes the initiative to tell someone what what he is doing. And out of his grace, God involves his people in accomplishing his purpose God is at work in our world, and he has invited us to be a part of that work with him. Now, you've heard many times from this platform, Pastor Chad says, we have a God-created destiny. We have something that God has purposed for us. God has gifted us to do in service, and in cooperation with him. And what Dr. Blackaby is saying is, Every time, and we're going to list a couple examples here, that God was about to do something in the earth. He spoke to people, and he gives these examples. He first says, when God God warned Noah when he was about to bring divine judgment on the earth through a devastating flood. That's in Genesis chapter 6. When God prepared to obliterate the debased cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he revealed his plan to Abraham. That's in Genesis chapter 18. Likewise, God approached Gideon when he wanted to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Midianite nation. This is in Judges chapter 6. When God was preparing to send the long-awaited Messiah to the earth, he told a teenage girl, Mary. That's in Luke chapter 1. God appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus when he was about to send the gospel message to the Gentiles around the known world. In Acts chapter 1, that's recorded. The point here is this, and this is our second key point tonight, is this, the most important factor in each of the situations that Dr. Blackaby me mentioned there was not what the individual wanted to do for God. The critical factor was what God was about to do. And we often get this backwards. How many times do we say, God, this is what I'd like to do for you. God, this is what I'd like to do for you. And God is saying, wait, well, I already have something that i'd like you to do i already have something that i'm at work in if we consider the majority of scriptures it is the story of god at work in the earth and bringing people into alignment with his plans now realigning our thinking is in this way is not something that just happens easily there's a struggle that's taking place. And we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. There's a struggle that's taking place within each one of us. And the Apostle Paul addressed it this way in the book, or actually in his letter to the Romans, in in the letter to the Romans in chapter 7, beginning of verse 18. Chapter 7 of Romans, verse 18. Paul says this, For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do good the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. So Paul here admits there's a struggle that's going on within him, within each one of us. We we desire to do good, but our flesh wants to take us in a different direction. So there's this internal tension. We talked about this before. And... So, what's happening here is we we have this conflict, and Yeshua knew that we would need help in overcoming this internal struggle as... God wants to realign us, realign our thinking, realign our actions, realign our will with his purposes. Rather than saying, this is what we want to do, that he wants to realign us us with what he is doing, that we would need help with this. And so Yeshua, in speaking to his disciples, knew they were going to need help. And in John chapter 16, Yeshua is beginning to speak to his disciples about what was going to happen to him. That he would be going away, and in, in verse seven of chapter sixteen of the of the Gospel of John, it says this: "It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Counselor, or the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you." So Yeshua knew we were going to need assistance. And in fact, he believed so strongly in our need for the Holy Spirit that he said, it's better for you if I leave. When my work here is finished, it's better for you if I depart and then I can ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. And in fact, he did. The coming of the Holy Spirit at Shavuot was actually an answer to Yeshua's intercession On our behalf. He asked the Father to send us His Spirit. It was the fruit of His purchase, the purchase that was made by His death and resurrection. Tonight, in our worship time, we we gave honor and glory to Yeshua for the work that he accomplished at the cross. The cross has the final word. The cross and his his victory over death, his resurrection. Enabled him to intercede on our behalf and say, Father, send them the Holy Spirit. They need your Spirit within them. So the Spirit was sent to be our partner to help us in overcoming this opposition of our flesh to be realigned spiritually with God. He came and He lives in us to help us focus on God's purposes not our own plans. He lives in us to help us see things from God's perspective rather than from our own distorted human view. You see, our flesh would desire to put God in our box, into our plans, to be available at our convenience and really at the root of it all the root of it all, if we really, really dig down deep and get to the root of it all, put God under our control. And the Spirit of God dwells in us and lives in us to help us overcome that part of ourselves. I was thinking about times when we feel like we have lost control. This is not something I I think that we, we... a feeling that we enjoy or a feeling that we lean towards. I don't think any of us likes to feel like we're out of control. I was was reminded of something that happened uh, about four or five years ago. Um, it's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time, but it's actually funny to, to remember it now. Uh, my oldest son, Kenton, was in a sports class in town. And it was in wintertime. It was cold. It was drizzling rain outside, and we, were, we had gone to his class. We were returning home. At that time, we lived in Arnona, and I had him and his little sister in the car, and this car was a gift to us, but it was beginning to have electrical problems, and so we were driving home after his class. Did I already say it's, it? was cold, and it was wet outside, um, and we, we come to this intersection. If you know uh, Jerusalem, David Remez, there's a roundabout right in front of the first train station. So I come to the roundabout and I stop because someone was crossing the intersection of the crosswalk and the car stops and dies. I turned the key. There was absolutely nothing happening. No sound, no nothing. The car was completely dead. So your your mind is, okay, what am I going to do? So you're looking at options, how am I going to do this? And the vehicle directly behind me was nothing less than a Jerusalem city bus. Um. So it took about thirty seconds until he was ready to begin honking his horn at me. So I put my emergency flashers on and I looked across at the other side of the of the roundabout that there was an entrance to a parking lot, so I thought, wow, if I could just get the car to that side, I could get it off the road and we can move to the next phase. So I had the flashers on, I roll down the window, get out of the car, I get the car moving, push it around, get it off the road, and I get back in the car, close the door and I sit down and I think okay, you know, crisis averted. We can move on to calling my wife, let her know what's going on, and call the the service, the show truck service road assistance team. Um, so I look down, and I think, okay, where's my phone? And I didn't see my phone. So I asked my children in the back, do you have my phone? You know, they're in their car seats. They're like, daddy give you his phone? No, we don't have your phone. And then... Life kind of went into slow motion. Have you ever had this experience, where life all of a sudden kind of goes into slow motion, and you like this realization of terror starts to come over you? And I realized in that moment that when when I had stopped, I had set my phone on my left leg to try and assess what was going on. So what it, I thought might have happened is when I got out of the car, the phone fell into the road. So again, in slow motion. I'm turning, and I'm looking back, and I'm thinking, oh, no. So I get out of the car. I tell the children, stay in the car. Daddy will be right back. I I walk over to the other side of the roundabout, and I see my phone laying in the road in the middle of the crosswalk. And I'm thinking, oh, no. So I, I walk, pick up the phone, and I look at it, and it looked as if basically the bus that was behind me had rolled over it with all four of its... Tires as it went past slowly. The phone was destroyed, um, and this is when I realized that I only knew one number by heart. <laughs> I had only memorized one phone number. It was my wife's number, but that was only. So now control is is leaving me in 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 groups. Okay, I I have no car. I have no phone, and I don't even know, other than my wife's number, who to call, so I I take my children, and I go into one of the restaurants there at the first station. The people were very kind, very nice, and I said, can I use your phone? So they let the kids sit down there, and uh, I was able to use the phone, and of course, I'm calling from a phone number that my wife has never seen before, so of course, she's not going to answer the phone, so then you know, I know she wasn't sitting at home going, oh, my husband's calling. This is going to be fun. I'm going to make him wait. I, I know that isn't the truth, but that's how it feels. When you've lost control of things, you, you're frustrated. And and so I had to call a few times. Finally, she answered. And, and the end of the story is fine. Okay, she was able to come. A friend of hers was able to bring her, take the kids. The tow truck came. We were able to get the car to the shop. My point is, as we lose control it's it's not a pleasant feeling typically for us. It's, that that moment wasn't pleasant. I wasn't sitting there going, "This is so great. I just love when I lose control. I love when I feel like I have no way to, nothing else that I can do." It, it's not a pleasant feeling. I believe part of that is because we, there's in our nature we we are created to survive. Okay. We're created to to survive. We're created to 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 live, to to find the way to survive, and that nature sometimes works against us in surrendering control. That's what the Spirit of God is in us to help us with. It's one of His key missions. Now, this morning I was reading with our children. We've been reading in the, the book of Luke, and we were in uh, Luke chapter 20, and we were reading a story, and it hit me this morning in relation to this, uh, that Yeshua, in his, in his message, in the parable that he shares, is really getting at the same heart, and I want to just share kind of generally what this is. So Yeshua is teaching at this point in Luke chapter 20, he's teaching regularly in the temple. And people are starting to come and listen. He's made his entrance to Jerusalem. He's teaching. And the religious leaders come to him at the beginning of Luke chapter 20. And they say this, uh, by what authority are you doing these things? Who is it who gave you this authority? And Yeshua asked them a question back about the ministry of John. And and they're kind of, they they're afraid to answer. So they don't really give an answer because they're afraid that if they say one thing, then he'll trap them. And if they say another thing, the people will stall them. So they don't really give an answer. And so Yeshua then says, well, I'm not going to give you the an answer, but I'm going to tell you this story. And he tells a parable about a, a landowner that owns a vineyard. And he says, this landowner had planted a vineyard, had this lovely vineyard, and he goes off, and he he leases the vineyard to tenant farmers. And the harvest comes and he sends a servant to collect some of the fruit from the harvest. It was to to bring back. Now we have to assume because it's not presented in the story, but we have to assume that was in the agreement that when he leased the land to them, that part of their return would be to give back to him some of the fruit. So he sends his servant. They arrive at the land and the farmers basically mistreat him and beat him up and send him back. And he comes back to his master and the master's like, huh, okay, well, I'll send another servant. So he sends another servant. And the same thing happens. They mistreat him. They beat him up, and they send the servant back to the landowner. So the landowner, said, landowner says to himself, what, what should I do? And he thinks to himself, well, maybe I'll send my son. Maybe they'll respect my son if I send my son as my heir. Maybe they'll respect him. So he sends his son back. And as the son arrives to the vineyard, the the farmers, the tenants say, ah, here's the heir. Let's do this. If we kill him, then there'll be no heir and actually the land will become ours. And that's what they do. And he says to them, what do you think the response of the father is going to be towards that? And Yeshua really points to himself as the son in fact he continues on and he talks about the 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 cornerstone the that was uh becomes the the chief stone he he, he relikens himself into this parable but at the root of this what what he's getting at with these leaders is he's saying you are more concerned with being in control You are more concerned. You come to me and say, by whose authority? Really what they're implying is, look, we didn't tell you you could do this. And he's saying, you are more caught up and concerned with being in control that you don't even realize what it is that has come to you. This is tragic. But this is what the Spirit of God is in us to help us with. And so tonight, I want to continue on, because we've already read from Romans, and I want to look a little bit further on in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, Paul gives some clear instruction about what the Spirit of God is doing in us. And it says this, this is in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, about the things of the Spirit. For a mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh, listen to this, is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's laws. For it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, speaking to the believers, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. You see, the problem of sin is us in us is that it sets us up to be in opposition to God. In fact, in verse 7 there, he said, it's... it's this, the flesh is hostile to God, is unable to submit itself to God or his laws because it ultimately, ultimately wants to be in control. And he says, but that's not you. You're different because the spirit of God lives in you and he's able to work in you and help you to release control. Paul Reminds us that this is what the spirit is in us. That if, if we're living in the flesh, then, then we, are, we are living unto death. But if we're in the spirit, we live a life full with, with peace. Now it's possible, and I want to make one more point here tonight. It's possible for us, even as believers, even having the spirit of God living in us. To still live in a self oriented, flesh guided way, even, even with God's Spirit <clears throat> excuse me, in us. Paul says this is an ongoing struggle. He admits it, <clears throat> excuse me, of himself. <clears throat> he admits that this is an ongoing struggle, even in himself. This is our final and third key point tonight, our final key point for this evening. It's this. We shouldn't be focused on how much of the Spirit of God we have, but rather on how much of ourselves we have surrendered to the Spirit of God. How much control have we surrendered to? To the Spirit of God. God desires to use us. Again, God has plans, He has desires for us, and He desires to use us in cooperation with His plans to bring truth and life to the world around us. We should be praying God, use us to accomplish your will in the earth. And we need to make use of the Spirit that's in us to put to death this battle, the deeds of our flesh. This is what we owe Yeshua for sacrificing, for sacrificing his life for for interceding on our behalf and asking the Father to send us the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. First Corinthians chapter twelve, Paul writing to the Corinthians in First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse eleven, he's speaking of spiritual gifts and he says this: "But the one and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing gifts to each person." As he wills. Distributing to each person as he wills. Spiritual gifts are given freely to us by the Spirit based on our acceptance. One second here. Based on our acceptance and alignment with God's heart. So how do we know if we are surrendering control of our lives to the Spirit of God, well, it's really based on the gifts. Is it based on the gifts that we have received? And this is really what Paul starts to get into in his letter to the Corinthians. Is it, is it based on the gifts that we receive? No, he teaches us that the evidence of the Spirit's work in us in our release of control to him is actually the fruit that's produced in our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, he says this Galatians chapter five beginning of verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness goodness faith gentleness self-control against such things there is no law now those who belong to Yeshua the Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions you hear the same theme over again in desires since we live by the spirit listen to this we must also follow the spirit since we live by the spirit we must follow we must submit control to him we must surrender to his direction and leading in our lives and the outcome of this surrender is an abundance of love joy peace patience kindness goodness faith gentleness and self-control. The, the thing that we see growing in us, as the spirit as we surrender control to him, is these fruit of God's spirit growing in us. Now it's interesting to me, as I, as I look at things in our world and I look at media, and it's, it's interesting that these traits that Paul lists out as the fruits of the spirit, actually in a lot of ways in our world today, are viewed as weakness. It's, it's odd to me that the world would look at these traits as being weak. Well, a person that's strong goes after what they want. They take what they want. They fight for it. They, they go after it. They, uh, you know, again, I'm gonna, it's, it's my will, what I desire, what I want. I want to be in control. And God says, wait a minute. Let me be in control. And guess what? If you let me be in control of your life... My spirit will begin to produce joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. That's why we are considered as believers. The the Apostle Paul says, don't be surprised when when, uh, persecution comes. Not because that's... uh, to be desired, because you're going to stand out in the fallen world like a like a thumb. You're going to look different, because the world is going to look like something different, and you're going to you're going to be noticeable with these things developing in your life. And again, in his letter to the Corinthians, in, in both chapter 12 and 13, Paul is dealing with an issue with the believers, because they're posturing themselves and trying to gain authority and control based on the gifts that they've received. Well, I'm an apostle. Well, I'm a prophet. I'm this. And they're trying to posture authority based on the gifts. And then he comes back to them, and he says, listen. He said, desire gifts. That's great. Remember, we read, the Spirit gives them as He wills. But he brings it back to this. He said, if I don't have love... If I don't possess the fruit of the Spirit, love, and growing measure in my life, if I prophesy, I'm a clanging symbol. I'm making noise. And He divides love then in that passage as being patient, kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not conceited. It does not act pro- improperly. Does this sound like anything that we just read? It is not selfish, it is not provoked, it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in righteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So remember, it's not about how much of the Spirit of God we have or... What gifts we have received from him because he gives those freely and willingly as we align ourselves with god's purpose rather it's how much of ourselves have we surrendered to the spirit of god this is what's important because he was given to us to teach us how to live this way how to surrender to control how to step away from death, from the way our flesh would lead us and to to move towards God and to his desires, to realign our thoughts and our desires with God's. So in light of this, in closing tonight, what questions should we be asking ourselves? I would say this: If you're in a time in your life and you're not sure, God, where where do you want to use me? If if you feel like in your life you said, "But God, I want to do this. I want to do this for you. I want to do this for you," and you and you've never really stopped to say, "God, what do you have for me? What are you doing in the world that you want me to be a part of?" I would ask you to ask that question. Align. Your desires. Ask the Holy Spirit in you to help you align your desires with God's desires, with his purpose for you. Not what I want to do for you, God, but what you want to do through me. I would ask us to consider how much of our lives we have surrendered to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And how we know that, I believe, is... Do we see the fruits of the Spirit growing in our lives? Do we see love, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control? Do we see these kinds of things growing and developing in our life? And if not, then ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want to see these fruit in my life. Help me to learn to give control to you to give control to your direction in my life let's pray tonight hallelujah Yeshua we thank you for your work on our behalf which enabled the Father to send us the Holy Spirit Now, Spirit of God your work in us is to align us with the desires of the Father in his work here on earth spirit of God, empower us to serve effectively in our callings for the glory of the father and for the good of his kingdom. And father, we thank you tonight for your great love for us. We thank you, God, that you give us all that we need to live lives that are full of life, lives that are full of joy, lives that are full of love, lives that are full of peace, We thank you for sending your spirit to us to help us to be full of these things in our life. Tonight, And again, spirit of God, just continue to work in each one of us, we pray. In Yeshua's name, amen. (laughs)